Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. On the surface, most people would say that they aspire to greatness. But like the disciples in Mark chapter 10, the issue of greatness among believers is filled with much more complexity than it appears. So much so that Jesus sits down with the disciples in Mark chapter 10 and addresses the issue of ambition, greatness, and the kingdom. Today we begin a teaching called The Path to Greatness from our series Purpose, Potential, and Power. Listen in, take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the podcast. joy that cannot be touched. Amen. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you. This is a day that you've made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, let your people have an ear to hear what your Holy Spirit would speak today. Let us share in the joy of the Lord today. Let us build one another up in the spirit of unity. Let the worship that we have had this morning, let it saturate us. Hallelujah. Let it speak to us. Let your presence be felt. In this word, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Open your Bible to Matthew, excuse me, Mark chapter 9. The book of Mark chapter 9. We've been using Ephesians chapter 1 as our foundation passage. We're not going to go there this morning, but I want you to have your open your Bibles. I'm going to tell you again, remind you, we've been talking about purpose, potential, and power. And what I want to remind you of is that in Ephesians chapter 1, we read that Paul told them, he said, I heard about your faith and I heard about your love and I don't fail to make mention of you in my prayers. I pray for you regularly because I hear about the things that you're doing. I hear about the faith that you have. I hear about your love for God and because I hear about that and your love for the saints and I, because of that, I pray for you all the time. I keep you in my prayers. He said, I pray very specific things for you. I pray, first of all, that you may be blessed and that the eyes of your understanding be flooded with light. That you might have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. He said, that's the first thing I want for you. When I pray for you, I just pray that your eyes be fully open. That you really see. You see the fullness. You see everything that you can see. That you have both wisdom and spiritual revelation concerning Jesus and who he is. Not just as a religious pers- person and figure but who he is to you personally, that you might know him. And we know in another passage it says that you might know him in resurrection power and the fellowship of his suffering. In other words, that we know him in the power that was able to raise him from the dead, that we know Christ that intimately, that we know that same power, but that we also understand that because we have that power, we can enter into the fellowship of his suffering. Oh man, that's a good place to say, woo, hallelujah. Amen. That you might know him first in his resurrection power. The power that makes a difference and his life and death kind of power. Then, after you know that power, then you would be able to enter into the fellowship of his suffering. In other words, you don't go into suffering unarmed. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You never enter any suffering in life unarmed. You are equipped when you know Christ because You know him in his resurrection power. You know him in the power that raises him from the dead, which is how we get saved. We get saved because we know that we are born into sin. We know that we are dead without God, but we know that knowing Christ comes to give us life and that more abundantly. But the reality of that revelation, to know it, not just with the head, but to know it in the spiritual realm. 
Remember we talked about the fact that there are three realms in the world, that there is the physical realm where we're all used to living. There's the emotional, mental realm, which is the second realm. It's where our mind, our imagination, our thoughts, our will are all contained in that second realm. And the third realm is the realm of the spirit where God exists and where God dwells. And God says, this is what I want you to know about me. He said, number one, when I created the whole world, I was spirit. I was by myself. And the spirit of God, I put on the earth and he hovered over the waters. And then I spoke and the word came into the world. There was three in one, each one managing a different realm each one responsible for the different aspects of different things. So when we know Christ, his disciples said, we knew him in the flesh, but now we don't know him like that anymore. Before we get into this, I'll just go with the Holy Spirit, because y'all ain't ready for what I'm getting ready to give you. So go to, go to, go to 2, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I need to get you there before I can give you what I want to give you. Amen. When I was, when I, on my 13th birthday, my father gave me a couple of things. He gave me a $100 bill. He gave me a gold nugget chain and a series of instructions. A $100 bill, which I was told to put in my wallet and never spend it. A gold chain I was given that was too big for me. It was so big, it was hanging down. Um, but between, uh, between my sternum and my belly button, it was hanging down here. Every time I walked, it was swinging back and forth. It hit me, wearing me down. I was, it was too much for me. It was a big old giant nugget. It's like, it was an L.A. player nugget is what it was. It was one of those. <laughs> anyway. He gave me all that stuff, and I wasn't ready for it. <laughs> and I didn't, know how to do, I didn't know how to manage any of it. So he had to take it back because I wasn't ready. So the same way with the word. Sometimes we want deep revelation, but we're not ready for it. Amen? Sometimes we're 13-year-olds with a gold chain on. You're not ready for it. Amen? So I'm going to see how y'all going to respond to this word, and then we're going to see how ready you are to go to the next level. Amen? Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want you to look at verse 14. For the love of Christ constrains us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live, live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them. Therefore, now on, we regard no one according to what? We regard no one according to? Turn to your neighbor and say, I like what you look like, but I'm not gauging you by your flesh. Amen. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him this way no more. We know him this way no more. In other words, the disciples said, you know what? We, we've come to understand through our relationship with Jesus that we no longer can gauge people by flesh and blood. That's why if you start to operate spiritually, we find ourselves less deceived it's easy to get deceived by the flesh it's easy for people to bring us information that sounds good because it sounds good to us it's easy to hear things and assume oh that must be true because it sounds right 
but spiritually. Our discernment, our ability to discern things spiritually is actually what helps us avoid deception. It's our ability to hear things and not just hear them by the flesh, but to hear it by the Spirit that actually allows us to see someone who looks like they're telling the truth and discern that it's not true. And then have enough spiritual wisdom to not tell them that you know that. Jesus has 12 disciples. And he said, one of them's the devil. But what did he do? Did he find that he was the devil and then kick him out? Or did he apply the same grace and mercy to the devil that he did to everybody else? Sometimes you have to know that the devil walked in the room, he sat next to you, understand who he is, and then let him know there's salvation for you if you want it. But what we've been trained to do is find the devil and try to fight him and cast him out. Yeah, get out. <laughs> but the word says his grace is sufficient for us and his strength is made perfect in our weaknesses. In those areas where we understand, man, there's something sitting next to me that I don't want to be. I don't want it to be here. I don't, I don't feel good. There's something not good about something that's near me. But you understand that God's grace is sufficient for you and that God can put a hedge of protection around you and give you wisdom and understanding that you need to have in order to operate. Now go to the book of Mark. I want to see how you're going to respond to what we're going to give you here. Mark chapter 9. We're going to begin at verse 33. Mark chapter 9, verse 33. Faith and love are the keys to understanding your purpose, your potential, and power. Love is always the motivator, which comes from the Holy Spirit. And faith is currency of your new creation being. Faith is your currency. So my currency in the earth is money. So I walk to a store and I pay money to get things. And then there's an intellectual currency. If you want to know things, you understand the currency of questions, that you can ask questions and get what you need by asking questions. So you have a physical currency and you have an intellectual currency, but your spiritual currency is faith. The same way you spend money and the same way you ask questions is the same way you have to understand how to use faith in order to operate spiritually. Amen? Everybody with me? Now let's read and let's look at Jesus and his disciples Mark chapter 9 is a really, this whole sequence is a really interesting thing, but I say that about every passage of the Bible, don't I? Um, so let's look at this at verse 33, and it says, Then he came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, and he's talking to his disciples, what was it that you disputed among yourselves on the road? In other words, Jesus is walking with them, they're following Jesus, and he gets to the house, and he said, okay, Give me the lowdown. What was y'all arguing about? Y'all don't think I heard you. You thought I was way in front of you. I heard every word. What were you arguing about? But they kept silent. For on the road they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. 
They're walking with Jesus, arguing with Jesus about who's going to be the greatest. Now, to set this up so you understand, just before this, if you read the, the verses before this, Jesus just told them, I'm going to die, but I'm coming back. He told them about his resurrection, and they didn't even bit more understand it. As soon as they walked away, they started arguing about who's the greatest. They, ain't even heard, they haven't under, comprehended that their Savior just told them, I'm going to die and raise from the dead. And you know what they say? They say, look, man, I'm, I'm going to be greater than you. Now, Jesus said he's going to die, but you know what? That means I'm, I'm next in charge. <laughs> I'm, I'm after Jesus. Peter said, no, you ain't. <laughs> Man, I walked on water. I'm next. <laughs> and then John said, wait, 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 wait a minute. I was, I, me, don't, don't, don't think you're going to be ahead of me because me, you, and James. We're on the Mount of Transfiguration. We saw him transform. So don't think you're going to rule over me because I've seen what you've seen. They're arguing back and forth. Who's going to be the greatest? And Judas thinking, forget all them. I got all this money. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but when Jesus called them on it, they kept silent. Because they know it was probably a conversation they shouldn't have had. Verse 35. And he sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Would you look at something very interesting here? Jesus never, in this passage, rebukes them for arguing about who's going to be the greatest. See, we, we, we hear people talk about who's, who's going to be greatest in succession and who's coming next after this person or that person. And we've seen even churches get into difficult situations where, thank you, baby. She always takes care of me. <laughs> My clothes people were saying, he got to fix that. He don't know he's going to fix it. <laughs> but the reality of them arguing about who's going to be the greatest and Jesus not rebuking that tells us something. Because in church, what we have is we have this constant problem in church and that is how do we use the ambition that we have or our desire for greatness? How do we take that and how do we actually put that into a realm where we're supposed to be humble and love everybody? And we struggle with, with what that means and how that works and what are we supposed to do. And if I'm an overly aggressive person, will people think wrong of me if I'm really aggressive and I try to get stuff done? Or will people think wrong of me if I really, I really want to be great? I, I just, I desire to be great. Will people look at me wrong if I say that? And the disciples knew that conversation probably wouldn't be acceptable, so they didn't tell Jesus what they were arguing about. <laughs> look again here at verse 35 and he sat down man Jesus just sat down with him now when Peter said Jesus you will never die I won't allow it he said shut up 
Get behind me, Satan, is what he said to him. Immediately, he immediately responded to him. When the Pharisees were preaching things, Jesus stood and he talked directly to them. But when the disciples mention, or don't tell him, but they've had this conversation about greatness, he sits down with them. You know, when I was coaching sports, I would, uh, you know, in the moment, you correct a kid. You try to be gentle. You try to be, so just, come on. How many times I got to tell you? How many times I got to tell you that? And you get frustrated. You know. But then I caught myself one day with my son, sitting down with him, said, look, let me explain something to you. I said, oh, I'm favoring the one I love. The one I love, I'll sit down with and explain it to him. The one I'm struggling with relationship, <clears throat> I just want to correct. So Jesus doesn't offer correction. Jesus sits down with them. Why? Out of love, he's going to talk to them and explain to them. Not that you shouldn't be great. Not that you shouldn't even argue about it. But there's a way to do it. Say your neighbor, say, I want to get on the path to greatness. Come on. I want you on the path to greatness. I want us to be able to experience and understand what is the path to greatness. Because there's too many times that people have come to church and felt like they had to dumb themselves down and not be what they really are in order to fit or in order to be something or in order to, to try to just make things work. But I'm saying that Jesus never told anybody to be less. As a matter of fact, what Jesus told them is to increase. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Are you guys using your, your, your paper Bibles this morning? Look at verse 23. Mark 9, 23. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, what? All things are possible to him that believes. Does that sound like dumbing down? <laughs> if you can believe, all things are possible for him that believes. That's not dumbing down. That is actually saying, you know what? If you can believe something, you should go there. But the disciples were afraid to speak up. Why? Because religion doesn't say that. Religion makes a system in which we have religious people and we have everybody else. And everybody else is supposed to. And submission is a good thing. Submission is love. We love out of submission. We submit out of love. However, Jesus is setting up something for them to understand how to be great. Verse 36. Then he took a little child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one of these little children 
in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. <laughs> I'm not going to shout today. I'm going to just lay something in front of you and let you grab it. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. He took a little child, set him in the midst of them, and he said, and, and he had taken him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. They've been arguing about who's the greatest, and what does he do? He puts a little child in the middle of them and said, if you really want to be great, embrace this child in my name then you'll find greatness. How do you embrace a child? Embrace a child by not being complex. Embrace a child by not being too big. <laughs> you embrace a child by going down low to them. <laughs> you embrace a child by having time when they come to hug you to actually stop and actually hug them back. You embrace a child by being able to stop what you're doing and give attention to one who can't get your attention. You embrace a child by recognizing the child can't do anything for me. I can do something for them. <laughs> Go to Mark chapter 10. <laughs> Hallelujah. Mark chapter 10, verse 35. Now, he just told the disciples what to do, right? Now, we got a new scenario coming up. Only a chapter afterwards. Mark chapter 10, verse 35 says, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him, being Jesus, saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. <laughs> Teacher, could you do for us whatever we ask you to do? <laughs> and he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. In other words, don't give us a throne until you get the glory. Then we want to sit right next to you. Right hand, left side, you got the sons of Zebedee, me and my brother sitting on the sides of Jesus. Wow, man. Give us whatever we ask. <laughs> that's, a, that's a setup if I ever saw one. Amen. Glad Jesus didn't fall for that one. Amen. Verse 38, but Jesus said to them, you do not know what you ask. Can you drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? And they said to him, we can. <laughs> Your pastor was talking about seeing around corners. <laughs> yeah, they didn't, they didn't see around that corner. Amen. And Jesus said to them, well, you know what? You will indeed drink the cup that I drink. <laughs> yes, you will. Yeah, James, you're going to get what I'm getting. 
Yeah, John, you're going to get what I'm getting. It's coming. And with the baptism I'm baptized with, you will be baptized. Woo! Amen. Jesus got baptized in that water and that dove came on top of him. He received the Holy Spirit. He said, you're going to get the same thing. Verse 40, but to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. (laughs) They said, look, man, just one chapter ago, we were walking with Jesus Just one chapter before this, man. And you guys on the slide going to sneak up to Jesus and ask him, can you sit on his left and his right and leave the rest of us out? (laughs) But again, I want you to look closely again. Verse 39. And they said to him, we can. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink the cup I drink. And with the baptism I'm baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit on the right and my left, not mine to give. Jesus said, it's not, it's not even mine to give who's sitting on the right and the left. <laughs> wow, man. But it's for those whom it is prepared. When the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John, but Jesus. (laughs) Wow. Everybody's mad, but Jesus. Uh, Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus called them to himself and said to them, you know, that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. Mm, mm, mm. Jesus never again rebukes them. He explains to them, it's okay to want to be great. It is okay to want to be great. And I know everybody says, "Eh, yeah, yeah. But I really want to challenge our religion. I want to challenge our religion because I find religion does not inspire people to greatness. I know a man who uh, was um, a pastor. He was in a church, in this particular church he was serving in. And he shared with me one day, he said, you know, he said, I went to my pastor and I told him, my dream. And he said, my pastor said to me, you ain't supposed to dream. 
And he said, it caught him. Like, what? <laughs> he says, Pastor told him, you ain't supposed to dream. I'm the dreamer. Now, no, <laughs> but now listen, I want you to understand. I want you to understand. It seems, oh my God, how can somebody say that? It's easier than you think. <laughs> I don't judge the pastor because it's much easier than you think. Because sometimes we want to orchestrate things, we want to order things, we want to make things happen. And so when somebody who's working with us says they have a dream, it's very challenging to say, submit that dream for my dream. Not because you're selfish, because you like everybody else. You got a dream. <laughs> Amen? But what Jesus tells them is, the reason that system doesn't work is because there's only room for one dream. <laughs> He says, so the people in the world, they lord over others and exercise authority over them because they're trying to get to where they're trying to go. <laughs> oh, man, hallelujah. <laughs> but it's not going to be that way among you. <laughs> he said, the church is not going to be that way. Woo, why is the church not going to be that? He said, because the church is going to recognize the church is called to serve. We're called to serve. And sometimes we think in terms of service as far as how we serve others, but sometimes we don't think about how we serve each other. Sometimes we think about how are we going to serve each other? How are we going to bless each other? How are we going to say, a man says he's going to Haiti. God gave him instruction. Do I say, great, now you become part of my program, or do we say, no, we want to sow into you? Somebody's got an idea. Oh, wow, I want to do this. Guess what? Do we grab it and we say it's ours or do we say, no, we'll sow it into you. You submit it to us if you want, but otherwise you go with it. And we will build you. We will strengthen you. We will pray for you. We will bless you so that you can do what God's called you to do. Sometimes people come and they say, pastor, I will do whatever you ask me to do. I can't ask you to do anything. You know why I can't ask you? I might say, hey, have you thought about this? But I've learned I can't ask you because once you say yes, it becomes an indebtedness. It becomes an obligation. I can say we have opportunities. We can, we, this is what we need. If you see the vision, if it, if it fits what God's called you, if it touches what God says to you, then I want you to get involved. I want you to come be a, come a part of it. Guess what? Because we have an open door and we will work together. Amen? Amen. But to me to say, I, you got to do this. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Now this, again, I, I want you to grab this because it's, it's, <laughs> it's, um, Let's go to verse 45. That's what it is. Verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. My question for you is, who are you serving? Who are you serving? 
Hallelujah. Do you have a, already a list of people that you said today, this is who I serve? Do you wake up in the morning and say, Lord, thank you for, for, for the day. I thank you, Lord. Show me today who I can serve. Do you wake up in the morning with a sense that I'm here to serve? I'm going to be great because I'm going to serve somebody today. If you have a business, do you wake up in the morning and say, how am I going to serve my customers today? Do you wake up in the morning and say, how am I going to serve? How am I going to give? How am I going to pour out? Because I know that my God is sufficient. He fills me up and I got to pour out. It's my obligation to pour out to somebody. Mm. Oh, man. Hallelujah. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Verse 1. I want to tell you this. God's expectation is for you to be great. The reason Jesus didn't correct his disciples is because he desired for his disciples to want to be great. He desired for his disciples to want to take it personal, that they were, they were disciples of Jesus and they were going to carry out his mission. That when he left, they were expected themselves, they expected of themselves to not be bystanders, but to actually say, you know what, he sold into me and I'm going to run with this. I'm going to, I'm going to deposit what I have into what Jesus has given me instruction to do. I'm going to take what Jesus said. I'm going to listen to his words. I'm going to take those. I'm not going to let them fall to the ground. I'm actually going to activate them. I'm going to run with those things. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hallelujah. Discipleship means that you allow God to overtake you. It's your constant submission to God. It's, it's how you submit yourself to God. It's how you yield yourself to God. And the yielding of yourself to God draws you nearer to God. And your discipleship is the outcome of your continual putting yourself in position for God to do more in you and through you. And God to work in you, through you, doing more constantly. Philippians 2, verse 1. Therefore, if there any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit. It means if, you, if, you're, if you're connecting with Jesus, if you're connecting in faith with Jesus, if you sense the Holy Spirit at all, if there's anything in you, if there's anything that's in you that's connecting to Jesus, if there's anything of the Spirit that's touching you, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, if you're interacting with the Holy Spirit in any way, if any affection and mercy is in you, verse 2, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Man, what is this, this one-mind stuff? It means you got to think like Jesus was thinking. If you're, thinking, if, you, if you're touching Jesus and you got the Holy Spirit, then you need to be thinking how Jesus is thinking. I caught myself one day, great intentions, and I caught myself in the middle of a project, and I woke, I woke myself up in the middle of a project, and I said, man, I've made this project all about me. <laughs> I need to fix this quick. 
Because it should not be about me. It should be about who I'm serving. Hallelujah. How many of y'all have ambition in your life? You have an ambition. Amen. Come on. Hallelujah. Everybody's got ambition, right? Does everybody bring ambition into the church? Sometimes we bring ambition in the church in the first realm. We bring physical ambition in the church. Sometimes we bring mental ambition into the church. But do we bring spiritual ambition in the church? That I want to bring the kingdom down. Hallelujah. I'm going to dedicate myself to bringing the kingdom down. That's my ambition. Because why? That's the ambition of Christ. Jesus said, guess what? He said, this is what I'm coming. I'm coming that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. That's why I'm here. I want to give you abundant life. I came to produce something on your behalf. Woo, come on. Who do you serve? Who are you serving? Who do you wake up in the morning believing that, man, I got to pour something out today? How many of us have Timothys that we've already said, I'm, this is my job. I, well, they, can't get away, they can't get away from me. I'm pouring out on whether they want it or not. I'm pouring it out. Amen. When I see them in the morning, I'm going to make them smile. When I see them in the morning, I'm going to make them say hello. Yes. I'm going to make them say hello. I'm going to tell them why it's a good day today. I'm going to bless them. Amen. When they come to me with struggles and they want to vent, I'm going to listen to them and say, do you want an answer or do you want to keep talking? <laughs> Amen. Why? Because I'm going to be a blessing. Because I'm going to be a blessing. I'm going to be a blessing. Why? Because this is the mind that was in me that was also in Christ Jesus. Amen. Come on. Look at the next verse. Verse 3, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Yes. What were the disciples doing? They're saying, you know what? I'm better than these chumps. <laughs> I should be next. <laughs> these guys following Jesus, they don't know what they're doing. I ought to be next. Who's going to be the greatest? They still had that mentality. Guess what? If you came up in the world system, which you all did, you still had to fight that mentality. Sometimes we, we, we have perfectionist ways and we want things to be perfect and we want things and we go past greatness to selfishness. I had somebody call me and they tell me they were reading the book. And they said, pastors were just what I needed. Boy, boy, you have no idea how much I needed this. I'm, I'm on day such and such, and I'm, I'm going through. And, I'm, and they were just telling me, and I started crying to myself. And I didn't want to tell anybody. Because you know why? Because I was being selfish in the writing of the book. I was being selfish with it because I wanted it perfect. I got to put my name on this thing, man. I want, it's got to be perfect. And I went right past service into trying to be great the wrong way. Mm, come on. Come on. How many of you got stuff you're sitting on because you're trying to make it perfect and you've forgotten about who you're trying to serve? Come on. Come on. Y'all was quiet. And I'm going to pull it out of you. I'm going to pull this out of you. 
Some of us got stuff that we, we haven't recognized that part of our desire for greatness is still in the mindset of the world system that says something has to be perfect, something has to be just right because it reflects who I am as opposed to this is going to be a blessing for somebody. Let me create it, let me paint it, let me do whatever I got to do and let me put it in their hands and let it be a blessing. Amen? Amen? Come on, come on. Verse 4, let each of you look out not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of who? Whose interest is it? When you serve, you're serving who? Others. Come on. I had somebody that didn't like, they, they, they used to have to come up here and make different types of announcements. I would tell them, you, I'm going to make you talk. <laughs> come up here. You're going to talk. I said, they, they come up here. I had a mic. No, put talk in the mic. <laughs> I, I didn't say no names. <laughs> Why? Because. When we're afraid, that fear of public speaking, you know why we're afraid? It ain't we're afraid we're going to give people the wrong information. <laughs> we're afraid because people are looking at us. <laughs> the reason people asked you to speak is because you know something. So that's out the equation already. We don't want to stand up and speak because we're concerned with how people see us. Who are we serving? That's why perfect love casts out fear. I mean, the first time I got called to preach, I didn't want to stand in front of those people. I said, man, I got a whole lot of problems, Lord. I got a lot of issues on me right now. I don't want to talk. And I was living holy. I was living holy, so holy, I had a hole in my shoe. I was that holy. I did not want to stand up and preach. I was having a tough time financially. And I didn't want to stand up in front of those people. I was like, man, if I have an altar call and I've been down to pray for somebody, I got to figure out which, which foot is going to show. <laughs> it's funny, that's my life. I was having a hard time. And I got called to come preach. I'm like, are you serious? Right now? This is when, this is when I get an opportunity? <laughs> And I'm toiling and turmoiling and I'm toiling about, well, what am I going to oh, what am I say? Oh, I'm, I'm all balled up. I'm all trying to figure this thing out because I'm scared because I don't want people to see me wrong. And then the night before, the Holy Spirit said, you're not up for you. You're up for them. Tell them how you're getting through what you're doing right now. I said, oh, Psalms 91, that's what I'm in the secret place of the Most High will I abide. And I gave them what God had given me. And I walked off and I said, okay, whew, good, I made it through that one. And then I got another phone call to come again. I said, oh, Lord. I'm <laughs> Went right back to the same shadow. <laughs> but over time, the Holy Spirit said, you never speak for you. You speak for them. And you stand and you speak out of love and you share with people 
what they need to hear, what I'll direct you to say. And I, that's taking care of the issue. Because I never stand here unless I can stand here with love for who's sitting out there. Because love is the answer. How will you become great? See, it's the, it's, it's the life of every believer that should, we should become great. We should become great because we love God and we love God's people. And our sowing of what we have into others makes us great. The problem is we define greatness by other people. And that's the wrong measure. Verse 5. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. If I stand here and tell you I'm equal with God, half the people walk out the room. <laughs> By the way, I'm not getting ready to tell you all that. So, <laughs> amen. But Jesus, who was equal with God, but he was man as well, did not think it anything to tell people. Me and the Father are one. Ooh-wee, man. That's high scale, isn't it? When I was a kid, there was this, uh, in a high school I went to, there was this road that went down uh, away from the school, and then we got to this intersection. And there was an intersection, if you turn right, you went to what we call in Oakland the flatlands. And if you turn left, you went into the hills. And so when we would leave school, we would all be walking down the street and we'd get to the turn. <laughs> who's going to the flats and who's going up, right? And so I was turning right. <laughs> but a lot of people in my school were turning left. And so uh, me and the guys that would walk together, uh, sometimes you know, people would be driving. Uh, you know, then, then there's, then there's this, us that are walking and those that are driving. Right, and so you had people. They drive by and blow the horn, dip, dip, you know, and they go and turn left up the hill. Man, don't honk at me and turn left. Come on, man. <laughs> but it created a class system, and it wasn't a spoken class system, but it was an acted-on class system that all the people from the flatlands gathered together. Not just because we live in the same neighborhood, but that's what we do. And then the people from the other areas would gather together, and they would be together. And this class system would start to create this division between people. And so living in those divisions, there are sometimes when people get mindsets about leaving your circle. So if you leave your circle and you step into that circle, number one, are the people in the circle going to receive you? Number two, when you go back to your circle... What was you doing over there? <laughs> it works with class. It works with race. It works with anything else we allow ourselves to be impacted by. And all of us are carrying some things in us that are that residue from that thought process and that mindset. Amen? But he said, you've got to have the mind of Christ. That might have been where you came from. You've got to have a new mindset. You've got to have a mind of Christ. And in that mind, you have to recognize that you're called to serve and you don't have any boundaries on your service. 
Amen. Amen. Jesus made himself of no reputation, being equal with God. Verse 8, being found in appearance, excuse me, verse 7, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant and coming in the likeness of men. In other words, he was so powerful, he was equal with God, but he didn't think twice about presenting himself to common people, coming in the form of a man. And once again, you might say, I don't have that problem. But the question is, who do you serve? I'm just letting this marinate. Verse 9, therefore God has highly, excuse me, verse 8, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. That in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow to those in heaven and those on the earth and those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord, the glory of God, the Father. To the glory of God, the Father. Amen. Amen. Galatians 5, and we're going to close with this. Galatians 5, verse 13. Say your neighbor, say, I am called to greatness. Verse 13, for you, brethren, have been called liberty. Only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. He said, you've been called into liberty but the purpose of liberty is not for your own freedom. The purpose of your liberty is to serve others. <laughs> God told us that there are going to be people who are going to become millionaires in this congregation. And we're stepping forward into some things. And we're, 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 we're getting prepared for some things. And there's some people who are getting their, their businesses and their minds focused. But what's most important is not the fact that someone becomes wealthy. What's most important is that someone has the right mindset. There's a statistic that I hope I quote correctly. If not, feel free to correct me. That 85% of the wealth on the earth is held by 2% of the population. 85% of the wealth on the earth is held by 2% of the population. That's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> so the question is, why? Why do 85% of the people hold Excuse me, 2% of the people hold 85% of the wealth. Why, did, why? Why is that? It's called distribution. There is an unequal distribution of resources in the world. So the question is, do we then ask those people to give up that wealth? 
Because how do you think that's going to go? <laughs> hey, man, I want you to... <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's, that conversation is going well. Or do we begin operating in a new system? Here's where I wanted to get you today. See, greatness is not defined by our actions. Greatness is defined by our character. Greatness is defined by how we begin to operate, how we begin to move into things. When we have a heart and a desire for greatness, does our greatness desire to excel beyond what's comfortable for me and it becomes something that I can do for people? That's why Pastor Edward, being told by God that he is to rebuild Haiti is so important because God didn't tell him, I'm building an Anderson kingdom. God said, I'm going to use you to draw resources from the east, the west, the north, and the south to help rebuild a nation. Without faith, we can't please God. But with faith, all things are possible. Amen? Amen. With faith, all things are possible. So what I want us to do is if we can grab a hold of what is the word is telling us, get a hold of this mindset to be a servant and break off what it means to be a servant in the world system. But what does it mean to serve God from a spiritual perspective, to have a spiritual insight about God so that you begin to pull things down out of the spirit to distribute to others? Come on. You can make a decision. You can make a decision that you're going to change an environment. Guess what? We have somebody right here who's in charge of a chamber of commerce, who's drawing money, went into the chamber of commerce, and in probably less than 90 days was able to pull a $10 million grant down. How'd that happen? Because <laughs> faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. How come the person before them didn't do it? I don't know, but I know this person has some faith. <laughs> Not for themselves. Mm, come on. I'm trying, I'm trying to, I'm telling you something. And I hope you're receiving what I'm telling you. If we can get our minds off of ourselves, there are things that we can bring into this atmosphere. But we can't bring it when we're trying to bring it on to us. Mm. If we can get our minds focused on how to pull down what God wants for his people. The fact that God wants to break poverty. God wants to bring healing. God wants to do things. Can we get ourselves in that position where we put ourselves to pull it down? Pull it down out of heaven. Pull it down out of heaven. Mm, come on, come on. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Mm. Read verse 13 again. I'm going to close. Hallelujah. For you, brethren, have, not, have been called to liberty. Only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor like yourself. Come on. Pull stuff down for others like you were pulling it down for you. Hallelujah. I'm not satisfied with my salary. Not because I need more money. I'm not satisfied with my salary because I need to bless somebody else. 
I need to expand the scope and the footprint of my blessing. I need to be able to bless more people. I need to be able to say, if we wanted to just go out and offer some scholarships to 10 kids walking down the street, that we don't have to blink our eyes. Amen. That we just move and do it. They said, well, we'll do it when we have more people. No, we won't. <laughs> you know why? Because if our heart's not right when we have a few, it ain't going to be high when we have many. <laughs> It doesn't make a difference. <laughs> Despise not humble beginnings. We are formed and shaped in humble seasons, in seasons where it looks like we're not doing anything. That's where we're shaped. We're shaped in moments where it looks like we can't afford to do this or that, but we do it because God said to do it, because what we're doing is we're reaching past and we're going into pulling down what we need to pull down. It's when we are able to say, you know what? We don't have enough people to have a tutoring program. Yes, we do. We just need one person who will be a seed to something bigger. <laughs> and if we can get one person who's got the right heart and will charge at it, then guess what? Guess what? God will do awesome things. God only needs one person to do something. Nineveh was a crazy city. They were so sinful, God said, I'm going to send a prophet to them. And when he came, he tapped the prophet on the shoulder, the prophet Jonah. Jonah said, I'm not going to tell them people nothing. Because if they hear from God, they're going to repent, and I don't want them to repent because them dirty dogs need to die. I'm sorry, but I'm going to just give you the, I'm giving you the Moton version, right? That was his attitude. He said, no, I'm not going to go there because God, I know. He told God, I know that if I go and tell them, they're going to repent. So I'm going that away. And he went the opposite way. But God said, I love these people so much, I'm going to send the fish after you. You're going to tell them. But I want you to listen to this. One man who didn't want to go preached and 450,000 people repented. And God spared the city. So God don't need a whole bunch of people. Gideon was told to go conquer the Midianite army that had been beating the Jews up. And so he gathered an army, got all these people. God said, you got too many because you're going to take the glory for this. Tell everybody who's scared to go home. Three quarters of them left. He said, now take the rest of them down to the water and watch them. And only the ones that do it the way I'm telling you to do it. Tell everybody else, their service is not needed. They can go. They went from almost 30,000 people down to 300. And God said, now we got the right amount of people to do what I want to do. Amen. 300 people went out and charged an army and sent the army who had been, who had been dominating them for years. 300 people sent them running. Why? Because God don't need a lot. God needs one that obeys. Will you serve today? Amen? I'm not talking about finding somewhere in the church. I'm, I'm saying, will you get an attitude of service? Can you get an attitude of service that your thoughts are continually about how I serve, Lord? How do I serve? Lord, show me who. Show me how. Show me what can I be a blessing in. Can I continually be in that mindset? I have to do that as a husband. I have to, I have to try to get my mind off myself, and I don't do it well. 
So I got to rely on the Holy Spirit to help me be a better husband. Amen. How can I be a better husband? How can I serve my wife? How can I serve my family? How can I be more of a servant? How can I do that? I have to continue to break myself down. I have to go to work and not get comfortable in my job because somebody says, well, we don't need all that. You know, no, I'm here to serve. I'm not here to make everybody happy. I'm here to serve and whatever I need to do to be a servant. When I start slacking off and I start just kind of, well, I can, you know, I could cover it with 5%. You're not serving, Derry. You're complying. Service and compliance are not the same. God said, no, I want you to be great. I want you to be great. I want to pull greatness out of you. I want the greatness of who you are to be manifested to the world. Why? Because then you will give me glory. And you'll cause others to see my glory and for them to be reconciled to me. Man, praise the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your word. I thank you that your spirit is at work in the minds of everyone here, Lord. Let us see ourselves as servants. Let our path to greatness be carved right now, even as we are sitting here. I thank you, Lord, that, 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 the, that the truth of your word minister as we leave this place today. Inspire people, strengthen people, build Praise the Lord and thank you for listening to today's message titled The Path to Greatness from our series titled Purpose, Potential, and Power. If you'd like to get more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, then please feel free to check out our website. Our website address is AbundantLifeWorship.net. And on our site, you're going to find more information about us, our church and events calendars, uh, other messages that may be of interest to you, and a lot of other great information. Once again, the site is AbundantLifeWorship.net. You can also find us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net. God bless, and we look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. And until then, we want you to remember that Jesus came to give you life, and that more abundantly.